I used to be really stressed before exams as a law student. So I would eat like, do you know the spicy budak noodles? The LSAT was a bit daunting at first, but because it's a standardized test, I think it's something that you can definitely practice for and get good at very quickly if you do a lot of practice tests. A lot of the schools are more holistic than you think. So being like a well-balanced student really helps you. Welcome to our podcast, everyone. Today is a special day because we are joined by Jane Huan, a distinguished lawyer at Harrison and Cole. I've been eager to have this conversation as a commerce student specializing in marketing, and Jane's insight into the intersection of law and marketing are particularly fascinating to me. So, Jane, let's start with your story. Could you share a brief overview of your background in law, please? Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, yeah, first of all, hi everyone. I'm Jane. It's so lovely to be. on Carol's podcast. I'm really excited to share about what I do. So in terms of my background in law, I started out in business law. I did a variety of M&A work, a tiny bit of securities, and a lot of marketing and product regulatory work. And I'm currently a second year associate at Harris & Co. I started at Miller Thompson, where I was a summer student and an articling student, as well as a first year associate. And while I was a first-year associate, I slowly transitioned more into the marketing and advertising law space. So that's my specialty and focus now. The other side of my practice in law is trademarks law. So I kind of have those several buckets of marketing and advertising, product regulatory, and trademarks law. Sounds great. I'm just wondering what sparked your interest in law, especially the marketing law? Mm -hmm. It was honestly super random. Like when I was a law student, I didn't know that marketing law existed. I initially was planning to do more like IP law or health law, and that was going to be my focus. And then when I started articling, we had the opportunity to try out a bunch of different areas of law. And so I took on one. I remember it was an e-commerce privacy law file for one of the partners at Miller Thompson. And then I just ended up doing more and more work in that space by coincidence. And then I really ended up loving it. I really love the challenges and like the variety and how I get to learn about a lot of different industries. And so then I kind of just fell deeper into the down the rabbit hole. That's so interesting. I feel like a lot of professionals that I talk to, they realize what they actually love doing by coincidence instead of having a very determined passion for something. But I do know a lot of commerce students, they want to go to law school after commerce school or even pursue a career related to law. So could you provide a little glimpse into a typical day in your life as a lawyer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these days, I usually start work around 8 a.m. Um, and I'll, the first thing I'll do is check my inbox and look at my emails because we get so many emails like every day just from different clients and then other lawyers and sometimes our parts of like organizations that we're part of will email us as well. So first thing I'll do is clear my inbox and then I'll look at my task list for the day. And then for me right now, every morning at 9.30 a.m., I have a check-in call with my mentor um, and we kind of go through what files we're working on um, that day. And what I really like is that every day can be so different. So one day I could be drafting contracts or 
conducting legal research and then drafting an email to the client to give them legal advice. And another day I could be looking at like research charts or writing an article or attending like a legal conference. So I really like the variety. But yeah, it's it's hard to say what the typical day is. It's usually legal research, lots of emails and yeah, some client meetings as well. That actually sounds so much fun. I would love to ask more questions on that. But now yeah. let's switch gears and have some fun icebreaker questions. The first one is, if you could have dinner with anyone in the world, who would it be? Um, that's such a good question. I really like it. Someone I really admire right now. Um, I, I feel like this the answer to this question can change a lot. But right now, I really admire Eileen Gu. Um, do you know her? Yeah, the uh, athlete. Yeah, the athlete. She's so cool. I really like how she juggles like so many different like careers. She's like an Olympian. She's a model. She goes to Stanford. Like it's so I just really admire her for how much she can juggle and how many different facets she has. And also, I think she has a really good mindset towards her sport as well. Mm -hmm. One thing I really admire of her is how much energy she has. I noticed yeah. time she posted her story at 4 a.m. She's like, oh, I'm up studying. I'm up exercising. I'm like, wow. Like how? Yeah. How much you be so energetic every single day? I guess that's how, that's how people get successful, I guess. Yeah. They have yeah. so much energy to do so many different things. Another question is, have you ever had one meal that was just incredibly unusual? Um, that's a good question. Actually, I was trying to think of an answer to this, but I can't think of anything. Okay, one funny thing that I, this is, I don't know if this is like a good answer, but like, this is just something unusual that I do with meals. So sometimes when I'm really stressed, um, like I used to be really stressed before exams as a law student. So I would eat like, do you know the spicy? I used to be really stressed before exams as a law student. So I would eat like, do you know the spicy budak noodles, the fire Korean fire noodle, the budak noodles, the fire Korean fire noodle? Yeah. Yeah. So I would eat those so that I could, because I was so stressed, but, and then I would like kind of make myself cry from the spiciness to relieve stress. Oh my God. That sounds so fun, but also so sad. In some <laughs> it's sad and unusual and weird. But yeah, that's what I would do to handle exam stress. That is that is incredibly on your own. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try next time. It's so helpful for clearing your sinuses and like you just like cry and then your nose, like your, your snot comes out and you're like, okay, I'm no, I'm not stressed anymore. If you could instantly become an expert in something, what would it be? Hmm. I would love to ha like instantly be able to speak like all of the languages, like become like a, a language expert. Because I think that would be so fun, like communicating with, uh, being able to communicate with people from around the world. I guess you could do that with technology now, but it's not the same. I mean, technology is still not human, so. Uh, exactly. Um, if you were to choose any superpower, what would it be? Ooh, good one. I think probably teleportation, because I, I also love to do lots of activities but the commuting time to get there takes so much effort so if i could teleport that would be great you can literally just go anywhere travel and visa free 
and like whatever. And then plus your uh, power in language, you literally <laughs> can go anywhere. Everywhere is accessible to you anyways. Yeah. And um, just a bit of curiosity. If you could change any law, what, which one would you pick? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was thinking about this one, and I'm not a policymaker, so I don't really know what law I would change, even though I interact with the law every day. But a fun, uh, something fun would be the law of gravity. The so, law of gravity? Yeah. I would just change the law. Gravity is no longer a thing. Or laws of physics. You know what I mean? I ask why. So that I can fly, like I can float. I did not anticipate this answer. <laughs> We can see that Jane has such a personality now. <laughs> Let's move on to the heart of our conversation today. I would love to hear more about your role as a lawyer. So first, I am very interested in hearing about the common legal issues faced by advertising agencies and how the law actually impacts the creative process in advertising. So could you share an example of a case where advertising law hugely influenced a marketing campaign? Yeah, I'm happy to. So in terms of like the common legal issues faced by advertising agencies, I feel like there are so many legal issues that you might not anticipate along the way. And what I do on the day to day is like we my firm doesn't just work with advertising agencies, but we also work with like the companies themselves that are creating different types of products. And so like we advise on product formulations. We advise on product packaging and labeling. And then we also advise on marketing and advertising. And sometimes we'll also advise on things like contests or like tax implications. Not so much the tax things, um, but it's it's just it's so widespread. Um, in terms of legal issues, I think product formulation is a big thing, especially in regulated industries. So for products like um, food alcohol, cannabis, cosmetics, natural health products, or like pharmaceuticals, those types of products have so many um, specific laws about what you can put in them or how they should be packaged and labeled. So we advise a lot on the legal issues and considerations when creating these products. And then the next stage, once that product is created, I guess it's, it's more so like the marketing and distribution stage. So at that stage, there are a lot of considerations around the, the claims that you're making on the packaging, because Canadian laws require that you, you need to be able to substantiate all of your claims. So that means you're, you have like, I guess, evidence or tests to back up what you're saying. And then another aspect of marketing and advertising that's really big is making sure that you're following the Competition Act, which is more about like false or misleading advertising. So you're not allowed to make false or misleading statements or give false or misleading general impressions about products. So those considerations come up a lot with, I guess, like advertising campaigns. Yeah. And then I guess in terms of a case where advertising law significantly influenced a marketing campaign, recently we reviewed an advertising campaign um, for a candy manufacturer and was uh, had, had a lot of cartoon characters in it. And so in cases like that, those campaigns can be considered appealing to children. And then if you are also displaying these campaigns in places where children might frequently be, then that is that kind of is one of the criteria. And so we had to advise the client on this new law that prohibits advertising 
unhealthy foods to children. So that's one case where the law significantly influenced a marketing campaign. I guess my question would be, because we know a lot of candies, they are kind of tailored to younger adults or like children. But if exactly. you are prohibited to promote your product to your target, how would you advise them to change it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the new law, I completely agree. And like, I can also see things from the marketer's perspective because they're trying to advertise these things to their target audiences. So the new law, I think, I think what helps is kind of understanding why that law was put in place. And I think it's because of like the statistics around um, obesity and just like unhealthy food consumption by children in Canada. And so the new law, I guess one way around it is you want to be targeting the advertising to the people who will be buying the candy. Sometimes it's children, but a lot of times it could also be like a parent or someone who's like a caregiver for a child. So the way that we advised the client was to be careful of including like too many characters that might be appealing to children in your ad campaign. Make sure that the campaign isn't running on a platform that is frequented by children. So for example, like a kid's television channel or like a, I guess if it's like a physical, like physically distributed campaign, then don't make like, don't have it be in like a school. I think also like make sure that the jingles and like the voices aren't that that are used in the ad aren't too appealing to children either. So yeah, I think thinking of creative ways to make things work because we also do want to balance having a good campaign um, and then also being compliant with the law. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like as marketer, we always take a central point from the company to maximize their profit and then to maximize the sales and stuff. As you mentioned, sometimes it's hard yeah. for us to actually be aware of some restrictions or limits when making advertisement. So how do you think if we have this knowledge of advertising law would help us to make campaigns and strategies? Yeah, I think um, I think it would make the process more seamless because most of the times when you have a marketing campaign, it's usually once you've um, put together some of the materials for the campaign. And then after that, you would consult a lawyer and get their feedback. But I think if marketers had a better understanding of the law, then they might be able to put together marketing materials that are more compliant to start with. But at the same time, I think it's not a, it's it's good to know the general like guidelines and the high level rules, but it, it's also good to consult a lawyer if you're unsure of, you know, like what what you're supposed to be doing or what the regulation is. And as a lawyer, I'd really try to understand and put myself in the marketer's shoes. Like, we don't want to say no to everything. Or if we're saying no, I always try to present a solution. So, for example, if one um, type of claim doesn't work, I could I would let the client know that it's a high level of legal risk to go with that claim. But I would try to work with them to come up with a claim that could work. Because as lawyers, I know we have a reputation sometimes for just being the bottleneck or being like, no, you can't do this, can't do that. But I think the way that I work and operate and even like the culture at my my law firm that I work at right now, Harrison Co., we're really solution oriented and we do want to give like a like a I don't know, we want to help the client as well and add value and not just only say no. 
but also provide an option. I guess that also ties into my next question. So how can I best prepare myself to navigate the legal challenges that may arise in the advertising industry? I know you mentioned a lot, but Mm -hmm. I would like to hear you illustrate that more specifically towards some people like me as a marketing student. I think um, there are a lot of really helpful resources online. And I think personally, the most helpful one that I always turn to is the Government of Canada's like Competition Bureau guidance. That has a lot of really good, like basic marketing, marketing and advertising law guidance, and it spans across a lot of different types of products. So I would personally start there. And they they have so many guides that you can um, look at and just just get general knowledge of. I think what's also really good is um, the Competition Bureau's guidance uh, is written in a simple way so that it's easy to understand and easy to digest uh, because it's I think it is written for people in the industry, but it's also written for consumers. So you don't have to go through as much like legal jargon to understand it. Thank you so much for advice. I'll definitely take a look at it afterwards. But now let's talk about Elsa. I know a lot of our listeners, including my friends, including me, my classmates, they're very curious about the importance in law school admissions process. So can you debunk any common misconceptions about it? Yeah, definitely. I'm happy to. I think for me, I think the LSAT was a bit daunting at first, but because it's a standardized test, I think it's something that you can definitely practice for and get good at very quickly if you do a lot of practice tests. Because it's not as much reliant on things like memorization or like active recall. It's more, I would say it's more a test of skill. So the things like reading comprehension, logical analysis. I forgot the other sections because it's been a while. Logic games. Yeah, but like those those sections are more skills that you can develop over time with practice. So I think that's one good thing about the LSAT that made it less daunting for me. And another thing with like the law school admissions process, I would say a lot of the schools are more holistic than you think. So being like a well-balanced student really helps. A lot of the schools are more holistic than you think. So being like a well-balanced student really helps you. you. Having like good extracurriculars, being involved in, in things outside of school, having like an interesting story about why you want to pursue law, along with the grades, the LSAT and like the reference letters and all that, and the personal statement, like all of those together balance each other out. I Because from my personal experience, I was preparing for GMAT, which is also another standard test. And I heard everyone, they were saying LSAT is the hardest exam in this world. It's so hard. Really? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I heard. That's why you're like one of the smartest people in this world for real. No, no, I'm really not. But thank um, you. I know you mentioned you would have that spicy chicken noodle from Korea to distress yourself. But do you have any other strategies when you <laughs> lost that? How did you manage your anxiety? Yes. Oh, my gosh. The, the noodles were honestly so helpful. I think another thing that really helped was having like a set schedule um, every week when I was prepping for the LSAT of when I would take the test, uh, the practice test, and then when I would review the practice test. So, and I I would always try to study for the LSAT in 
conditions that were similar to the test conditions. So back then we had to go in person for the, the LSAT. And so I would try to like be in a quiet space and kind of have the materials set out as if I was doing the actual exam. That way, when I was practicing, it would kind of just like the, the environment would be very similar to the actual exam taking environment. But yeah, I think that having that schedule really helped. I know you mentioned you you do a lot of practices. I'm just wondering, do you have recommendations on specific study resources or preparation materials for LSAT? Yeah, definitely. So for me, when I was studying, I took an LSAT prep course, and that was with the Princeton Review. I think U of T also gives you, um, like, I think some club at U of T can give you a discount on the Princeton Review course. So check that out. I forgot which club, though. So, yeah. And then another helpful resource that I used was Kaplan's practice tests. So they have like a practice test bank, and I just did as many practice tests as I could. I think the most helpful thing was the, just doing a lot of practice tests. And not only just doing those practice tests, but reviewing every answer and every answer and question afterwards to see what I got wrong and to understand like the logic behind things. How long did you prepare for LSAT for? So I prepared, I started in the summer between third and fourth year. So I think I started in May and I took the test in September. So that would have been about four months. How was the overall experience from preparation to law school and to uh, the law school interview and stuff? Yeah. Um, I think for me, the big, the most helpful thing um, when I was applying was like keeping organized because there are so many different components. So you have to get reference letters, then you have to take the LSAT and prepare for the LSAT. You have to write your personal statement and research the schools and then put together your autobiographical sketch, which like lists out your previous, I guess, like extracurricular activities and jobs that you've had. So the experience was at first like really overwhelming because I was like, there's just so much to do. And it seems like a big task, but it really helped to break things down into like one step at a time, one day at a time. Um, so ha being organized and knowing exactly what I'm going to do each day and just doing a little piece each day, uh, that really helped. My other question is, what should prospect students consider when they apply to law schools? Because I know you mentioned a lot of the process is very complicated. There's so much to be prepared. What do you think is the most important thing that they, they should consider? Yeah, that's a good question. I think. I think number one is the being organized and then breaking this big task down into smaller tasks, because that will really help you um, not feel as overwhelmed and it'll help you just be more prepared. Um, the other thing is, uh, I guess, when you're thinking of putting together your application, what really helped me was thinking about my story and like trying to have like a cohesive story for my application. So even though there are so many components, um, like there's a personal statement and then the autobiographical sketch, reference letters, um, I still thought about like, how would this package look uh, to like an admissions committee? So thinking about like the story that I wanted to tell about myself really helped. So back then I had done a lot of work volunteering with hospitals and I had done a lot of public health ethics research. 
And so my story was that I wanted to go to law school so that I could focus on health law. And a lot of my application was about the volunteering work that I had done in different hospitals, like Sick Kids, Mount Sinai, Women's College Hospital. And then I also talked about just like my other involvement in the community. And so that was that was kind of like the narrative I created. And I think when you create a narrative in your application, it can help the admissions committees understand you a bit more. And even though I didn't end up doing health law, it helped me. I think putting together the application helped me understand for myself why I even wanted to go to law school. So, yeah. And it's okay if it's okay if your direction changes once you get into law school. You don't have to stick with like whichever area you expressed interest in. Mm-hmm. So it's also kind of like a self-exploration and awareness stage for you as well, as you slowly know what exactly you want, like which area of law you specifically want to pursue in the future. Lastly, do you have any tips for those about to take the law set exam? Hmm. Um, I think for those who are about to take the LSAT exam, first of all, good luck. You're going to do great. You can do this. You got this. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, the most helpful piece of advice is just like do as many practice tests as you can. I feel like I already said this, so I don't know if this is helpful, but hopefully it's helpful. It's just I think because of the format of the exam, it's it's a very skills based exam. It's a standardized test. And the sections are going to be set up in a similar way to previous years. So your biggest help, I think, will be doing practice tests and then reviewing those tests and understanding, you know, the logic behind your answers. As we wrap up, I am curious about Jay's future. So Jaden, ask yourself in five years. Yeah. So in terms of career aspirations, I'm honestly so still exploring and very open-ended. I really love my job right now. And I love the law firm that I work at and the people that I work with and like the specific industry. Um, and I think when I look to the future, ideally, I could grow what I'm doing right now and maybe even become a partner at the law firm that I'm working at. I think that would be really cool. Like I, I think being in private practice and having a variety of clients is really exciting because I get to learn about different types of businesses and the types of legal issues that come up day to day are so varied and so different. So I'm always learning. So I think that would probably be my career aspiration to become partner at Harrison Co. Do you have any advice for students like me just starting out in their careers? Oh, I have so I have so many pieces of advice. First of all, I actually I love talking to different students and helping them figure out like what where they want to go in their career. So if you have any questions, you, if you're listening to this podcast and have any questions, um, definitely feel free to reach out. I would love to chat. In terms of advice, I think what really helped me was trying to reflect on what I liked about the different classes or like volunteering opportunities that I did. And like the the different extracurriculars that I was involved in. And once I figured out like what I enjoyed doing, it made things easier because I kind of understood what I was looking for in a career. So for me, I really like having, I guess, being challenged every day. I think that's a big thing. And then always being able to like constantly learn 
and then interacting with different people. So those were like three main things that I really wanted to have in my career. And then I used those things that I liked about, I guess, those three things that I was looking for to to find my career. I guess other advice would, would be try to talk to as many people as possible and ask them what they like about their careers and how to break into their industry. Because I think a lot of the times people are really willing to help you and share their experiences if you ask them. So I think that's that's a big one. Be open to different experiences and try to, I think, try to have as many different experiences as possible so that you can figure out what you want to do. Uh, because I think when I was a student, my goal was to try to explore different industries in order to find out if it was a good fit for me. Um, so I worked in like IT. I worked in business. I did some VC fund work as well. Um, and I worked at a startup. And I also volunteered for hospitals. And so all of these industries were so different, but they also helped me understand what I was looking for in a career. I guess that's also why I started this podcast, because when I was in my first year and second year, I, I was surrounded by so many people that who only wanted to work in business, in finance, in accounting. And I'm not sure if that's what I wanted. And then I slowly figured out there are so many other industries in this world that are interesting and I need to explore more, like literally outside of the business industry. So I started talking to people like you in the law firm and the people in um, the cybersecurity. I like everything's so much fun. So yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you, Jane. We look forward to hearing more about your work and insights in the future. So thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much, Carol.